Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined, of course, by our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. And this week, Darren, it's just the two of us. Yeah, it's kind of lonely and yet kind of awesome. Yeah, and you know, this week is going to be um, probably mostly cleaning up a few things from Sunday <laughs> based upon the fact that you dove headlong uh, wrapping up chapter four of our Revelation series by mentioning things, um, you know, like uh, string theory. Uh, super uh, massive black holes and um, you know UFOs. I, I, I think did. you dropped that in there. Uh, Aliens, maybe. Yes. Um, so maybe maybe we work to clean a little bit of that up this week. Yeah, and I guess as I um, as I was driving home on Sunday, I thought to myself, "Thank God for the deeper podcast." <laughs> Uh, right, because there's a significant chance that our attendance could be a little lower this week. Because if you were visiting, you might have thought, "Is this dude a nut job? Like, what have we walked into?" Yeah, I know he said he wasn't feeling well last week, but yeah, I couldn't even blame it on the steroids for poison ivy. It just happened. But there's a lot of good things in there, and um, worth some clarifying, and quite frankly, worth diving into a little bit more. And I think that's the beauty of scripture. That's the beauty of why we dissect the word that is why we come together even have you know this dialogue here and quite frankly i've, I've had several conversations with folks um since sunday and since we've started this um this series uh, some deep conversations about all of these things we're talking about so it's not like we're we're making it up right. for the sake of talking about it. like these are conversations that are not not only happening in our own community um but they're in mainstream media now yeah and I guess you know that's kind of what uh, my point was and and is um, that if, and if you're not talking about it right now, that's okay. Uh, but your kids probably are, um, and anybody who's paying attention to media, yeah, uh, probably is. And and when we read something like Revelation four. Um, and you see these fantastical beings, you know, the wonder of like, are they these actual beings is this metaphor and then the truth is we don't know but what we were talking about sunday was that that apparently the search for life outside of our planet has been going on by our government uh, for a very long time yes um my son was laughing because we were uh was it last year that everybody was going to rush area 51 yeah that's right it was last summer right i mean corona's happened it seems like it was a decade ago but like online there was going to be everybody's going to gang rush area 51 absolutely which my son genuinely wanted to do like he was actually mapping it out as an option which i thought you know if you're homeschool i guess that could be a science project but you know he was not and I guess it fizzled. I think the the rush was like a couple of dudes uh, yeah. selling T-shirts. But the, the thing that brought it to my attention that was fresh on my mind is I had just had a conversation uh, with a, with a church family because um, they're seeing the New York Times, they're seeing television programs, and they're talking about life beyond our planet. And the question was proffered: What would that do for our 
faith if that happened? And that's, a, by the way, a very legitimate question. Right. Like, if that was true, then what? Um, then what does that mean? You know, and there's there's obviously several uh, things, but what I was have been struck with is that if we recover the supernatural uh, approach to the Bible, we, we have westernized it so much that we would westernize it. But when you look to the Old Testament and you see things that, like the Nephilim, which is what I brought up from Genesis 6, yeah, the sons of God, the Elohim, uh, had, had relations with the daughters of men, and then this uh, this new race was created called the the Nephilim. Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Yeah. Now, that's really fun to read right over. And by the way, people would say, well, that maybe that's metaphor. And of course, a lot of people say that even Genesis 1 is a metaphor. But the truth is, is if you have a Genesis problem, you have a Jesus problem. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus quoted Genesis. Jesus spoke of a real Adam and a real Eve. Right. Of a real Noah. And so there are definitely different uh, approaches to it. There's different ideas of what it is um, I would highly recommend a book called Unseen Realm by a guy named Michael S. Heiser Unseen Realm by Michael S. Heiser and Heiser does a brilliant job and by brilliant I mean you might want to uh, you might want to get ready to take a while he, he makes a huge case for again recovering the supernatural view of scripture and makes a brilliant case for the fact that uh, the, while we couldn't explain it and while it absolutely insults our Western sensibilities, that these quote-unquote sons of God were in fact an angelic or fallen angels trying to hijack the bloodline of Christ and the bloodline of humanity. Mm-hmm. Again, that does not make any sense. That's like weird but if the Bible is the inspired word of God, uh, of course, and you know, Mo, that there's uh, people making uh, an attempt to say that it's the Seth, that it's actually a, def- a descendants of Seth. We don't have time to go into it. I would recommend Michael Heiser's book for this. But I brought that up because if that had happened in history at some point, and this is the part where people are either going to leave the church. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it could be. If we believe that there is a supernatural realm, that what what is being encountered here on Earth, in fact, a lot of times when you see someone talking about life on other planets or space, having a, whatever abductions, they're oftentimes near Indian reservations. They're oftentimes near where demonic stuff is happening already. I'm just saying that they are having a real experience, but it's not with a little green man, but with a, a demonic experience. What, why do you think that is? I want to stop you there for a second. Explain the Indian reservation tie-in. Okay, that's that's fair. So I've spent time on the Navajo reservation uh, as a younger man. Uh, And by the way, I would also say that like upstate New York, there's reservations up there. Uh, But you start looking at these on maps, you start to see some of that. Like, okay, that's an interting thing. But the the amount of, and again, this is, by the way, witch doctors, voodoo priests in Haiti, they all will have stories that defy anything that you or I could explain. Like, they're not wondering whether or not somebody can shapeshift. Right. Like, they just, because I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, okay, again, this is really risky. Please don't leave our church. I promise I'll never talk about it again. 
saw something when I was uh, with a friend who was a Navajo. His grandfather is a, a preacher, planted churches on the reservation. He had a demonic experience. He'd been having demonic dreams and demonic. And I'm laying on the couch. We were like, I think in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm laying on the couch. He's actually laying on the floor. We're driving to uh, Kaibato, Arizona is where we're going. And he wakes up in the middle of the night. And I mean, this dude was a big dude. Like I would not have fought him for any amount of money. <laughs> Screaming uh, like he was being killed. Um, and I was in a dead sleep. And by the way, if you're having demonic stuff and you're having somebody spend the night with you, uh, just personally, give them a heads up. That's what I would just ask. I feel like that's the etiquette there. Say, hey, just just in case this happens, this has been happening to me. Right. I had no heads up whatsoever, but I woke up while he is screaming and I swear I'm not making this up. There was a dark thing over the top of him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I saw it. Mm hmm. And his sister, uh, who, she's like, I was probably 19. He was probably 20. His sister, uh, it's funny. Back then, she seemed like she was really old. She probably was like 30. But anyway, back then, she seemed old. Came in there, and we just started praying. We started praying in the spirit and rebuking it. And and that was actually the last time that it ever happened to him. Wow. But, but my point being that, that when you invite the demonic forces into your life, and that's happening in, uh, and I, I haven't been in a while, but on a lot of Indian reservations in our country, they still have a view that is... Um, uh, expectation of demonic. Mm. I, I think one of the greatest tricks that Satan plays is tricking us to believing he doesn't exist. Mm. So if you're Western and you're too smart and you're too sophisticated for that, well, then he's not going to show that way. He has a whole other bag of tricks for you. It's called humanism. It's called atheism. It's, but if you do believe in it, then the trick is, okay, I want you, I want you to be scared of it. Uh, as I, uh, one of the earliest days in Haiti, um, and, and we've had, we've got stories from there as well. But I remember we would walk, and I don't know if Jean-Marie or any of these guys will be listening to this from Haiti, but we would be walking by the voodoo temple, and they would walk on the other side of the street. Yeah. And back then, I was like, oh, God, get, get on the other side of the street. In my mind, I'm thinking, they're going to come out with a machete and make me into a salad or something. I, I didn't know. <laughs> right. And eventually, as in a conversation, as they began to be more fluent in English, and I began to be more fluent in, uh, in Haitian and in Creole, that realized that they were actually scared of the demonic things, and they've all got stories of what they've seen. Mm -hmm. And for me, so color, maybe it was like I was too naive, and they were too afraid. But in the middle, we met with, oh, no, no, we don't have to be afraid of that, because we have authority over that. It reminds me of Ephesians 6.12, right? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Mm, yeah. Heavenly realms can be... Uh, Interesting. You know, heaven or space right. or the, the air. above the air. Like, I mean, yeah, he's referred to as the prince of the power of the air. Yeah. Satan is. Yeah. I say that because, which is true, we're not fighting against this. And you're like, okay, we've just stumbled into the wrong podcast. You're like, is this the Art, <laughs> Art Bell Jr.? But I'm bringing this up. Mo and I are talking about this because what's happening in our world right now is 100% a demonic undertow. Uh, when you see this kind of vitriol, uh, this kind of hatred, I mean, is that, you know, James, I think it's James 1 says there's two kinds of wisdom. One is the wisdom of angels and the wisdom of demons. So oh, that's interesting. You see, uh, hey, hey, 
You see, hatred, is that the wisdom of angels or is that the wisdom of demons? Well, of course, it's the wisdom of demons, and so this is a demonic. Now, of course, space aliens, if, if that's a demonic manifestation, absolutely it could be. And some of the stuff that you see predicted in Revelation 6 does not contradict that idea that something could visit us from an outside realm, mm. uh, that, that something could be from outside of our time domain that could come through, and that it happened historically. Uh, I, I take a great deal of comfort to, to know that Satan is on a uh, he's on a short leash, that nothing he does is not allowed by God himself. And the fact that there's a leash to begin with. That there's a leash to begin with. Because a lot of uh, what's happening in our world, in the Williamson County world, in America, is a lot of fear of the unknown. Um, Revelation 4 ought to tell us all remind us all that God is on the throne, uh, that he is under complete control. And one of those things that you mentioned on Sunday about the throne is light. Yeah. And kind of got into this idea of um, string theory or time travel as it pertains to light. Shed some light. Oh, Lord. May, okay, so... On some of that. This is embarrassing. So I'm a, I was a weird kid. Really? I know. I mean, I honestly, I got picked on a lot. And I look back going, I probably would have picked on me, too. If I would have known it's all me. panned out pretty, pretty I, well, good. I guess so. Um, it, that actually leads us into Revelation 5, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I dropped a little. Uh, and by the way, if you uh, have not seen Interstellar and you want to and you don't want the movie spoiled for you, I'm going to suggest that you fast forward about 10 minutes. Uh, because this plays into that. I, I mentioned that as well. But when we get to Revelation 5, um, here's John, uh, verse 1. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Uh, there is uh, the, the closest in our language that we might be able to say to this is this is like the, the, the title deed for planet Earth. Um, there are those who say that it's like a will, like a will and testament, and the, and the seals are what have to be uh, met in order to be opened. I would suggest that maybe both of those are true. Both of those are just man's attempt to try to explain it. Uh, there's also this idea in my mind that this is the ticket to the other side. Hmm. This is what is required for me and you to get to where John is seeing. Because John is seeing this, but he is not there yet. Where God is the, the, the domain of eternity. Um, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Like, who, who is able to get us there? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth, another a nod to the mm -hmm. demonic realm. No one was worthy. Uh, no one on earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. They couldn't even know. And I wept and I wept. This is John. Because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and it's seven seals. So this is 
he's in heaven. He sees God on a throne with light emanating and the jasper, which is bending the light into all the colors of rainbow or the, the covenant God. So it's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he turns and what he sees, who he sees, verse six, uh, was a lamb looking as if it had been, past tense, had been slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and elders the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of god sent out into all the earth he says this this is revelation 13 8. so revelation 13 8 all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast speaking of what's coming all whose names have not been written in the lamb's book of life listen and this is the word the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world hmm. so here is john standing in heaven seeing jesus the lion of the tribe of judah as a lamb that had just been slain and here he says a lamb that had been slain before the foundations of the earth the movie interstellar was so mind-blowing because it talks in terms of the theory of relativity um and this is where i don't want to spoil this for you but well, the, the movie's been out. The movie's like been out. Like a decade. Yeah, okay, so it is a decade? <laughs> it's been out a while. Okay, so the statute of limitations on a spoiler yes. alert is yeah, 10 years. We're good. we're good. Yeah, this is totally legal. You cannot arrest me for this. Uh, the, the idea of the movie is that this man uh, is going to save his daughter and the planet Earth by going into the future. And while he's in the future, he realizes that the ghost, quote unquote, that had been communicating with his daughter through the bookshelf actually was him from the future. And uh, he, it's the theory of relativity. I, my, my, my mind was blown when I learned this as a kid. And I, I enjoyed this so much last night, blowing my own son's mind that at the speed of light, time slows down. Mm -hmm. And at the speed of light, if I were to leave now the planet Earth and go the speed of light and I'm gone for uh, whatever, a year, 10 years, whatever, I come back, if I'm gone 50 years, I come back, I'm the same age, and Mo is now 50 years older. That's the theory of relativity. Yeah. Uh, and when you think of it that God is light, okay, nothing is faster than light, time slows down at the speed of light, that John, if he is at the speed of light, that Einstein's theory of relativity, that he's, 1915 by the guy, yeah. that's when he wrote that out, and it's been proven pretty much conclusively mm -hmm. uh, that it's conclusively that time does slow down at the speed of light. So of course the lamb that is slain was slain, will be slain like before the foundations of the earth, which is the beauty of the forgiveness of sins that every sin I have ever committed, every yeah. sin I am committing, every sin I will commit, that it is all right now. Um, one of the things that is as weird as it might sound that honestly saved my faith in my early days was Stephen Hawking's book, A Brief History of Time, hmm. because he was the first guy to, and I, I, Hawking would later die uh, saying he's an atheist, but I promise you that book that he wrote, A Brief History of Time, he made a better case for God than anybody I've ever read oh, wow. or yeah. listened to because it conclusively says that something had to have created mm -hmm. this. That this bang that happened that came from nothing and now is everything started somewhere and that if god is infinite and god is everywhere that light would slow down so that we you and i would stand before the throne 
it's as if we're already there. Yeah. In fact, somebody uh, writing a, a, a review of the movie uh, Interstellar wrote this, that granted there is a travel, uh, a time travel paradox in this, like so much science fiction, which ultimately suggests that humanity only survived because Cooper, the main guy, was sent by future beings into this black hole to communicate with Murph, his daughter, thereby necessitating Cooper having already made the journey before, quote, they first summoned him with gravitational anomalies. Does your head hurt yet? This is what the writer says, which mine is like, yeah, I need an Advil. In the end, another Matthew McConaughey character from Premium Cable may have been right all along, and that is this, that time is a circle. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I love about it. Why I get so excited about it. And I remember I, I when I talked a little bit on Sunday, I saw some people like we had the Buford uh, blow, <laughs> the Buford mind blow happen. But is that it does mind blow your mind because our mind, his thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. But when you read this and think that doesn't contradict scripture, even kind of, if yeah. anything, it bolsters it. That the power of the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. Like, I don't understand it. Helps explain eternity. Helps explain eternity. Right. And what I love is that the concept of this movie, and we'll, we'll go on from here, but uh, Christopher Nolan, who, as far as I know, is not a believer. Um, the one thing that allowed the father to poke through time, to get through all the string theories and the ultimate reality, whatever realities, and wasn't gravity, but was love. That was the idea. And as cheesy and corny as that sounds, that... Uh, Ravi Zacharias would say, love is the supreme value of the universe. And you cannot measure love on an MRI. Mm -hmm. It can't be created in a lab. Mm -hmm. It is the supreme value, which is why Elon Musk's attempts at creating artificial intelligence have failed. And you've spent some time researching what he's doing with AI yeah, I mean, apart from Tesla's, you know, self-driving vehicles, and I mean, obviously that's taking off and it's doing well, but there's still there's still eth ethics and morality issues there on, you know, if you have two vehicles being driven by robots, you know, and you come to a fork in the road, like who makes the decision on who lives and who dies on, on the highway, right? Like so right. that whole conversation, first of all. And now he's dabbling into a new company called Neuralink, and new, which is in the past three years. Basically, the idea for them is to um, develop um, develop a, a computer system that is implanted into the brain. Okay, and the, 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 his main use for this is to help paraplegics with super simple tasks um, that are firing off, you know, neurons into areas that no longer work, but because a computer chip has been implanted those things can fire off to the right places to where limbs that maybe didn't work in the past would work now because they're they're generated in that way with um, electricity and neurons and microchips he came out a couple of weeks ago talking about the idea of um, you know basically we all are walking around with our own computer chips all day long helping us make decisions it's called your iPhone and your Android right you want to know something you want to know anything all you have to do is search for it and you have that information so basically we have all these computers along with us but they're on the they're on the outside of us they're external we just carry them around everywhere and his idea is that over time in the next he says in the next five years they will begin to implant them internally into us 
And again, this company is called Neuralink. You can research all this and read it for yourself. He gave an example of, you know, if you want to listen to a song, you think about the song and you can hear the song. Oh, that's dangerous for me. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, the songs I walk around, I like a jukebox, yeah, like yeah, yeah. random music. Oh, my gosh. You know, we're, we're already kind of a step towards that with our AirPods and uh, everything wireless. But his idea is these external uh, external technology will then be internal. And so as huh. this plays out over time, and he is, you know, he has these vast ideas that, you know, that's going to look a lot like AI driven world in the next you know, a couple decades. So the question that comes to mind, kind of back to what you were talking about is, so where then, if we are a robot driven world and artificial intelligence rules the day and helps us make decisions and helps us research and does all the computations for us, no matter what we're doing, whether it's, you know, buying groceries to, uh, you know, doing, you know, studying for homework or just making real life decisions quick on the fly. Where then does love, where is that inserted? Where does the morality be inserted into fascinating artificial intelligence? Like what, that's a, that's a huge gap. And like, how do they overcome that gap? Yeah, because if you are, if, if the end of the day, computing technology is still just a bunch of ones and zeros. And what com- combination of ones and zeros would make me feel for Shannon what I feel mm-hmm. for her? Um, and one of the differences they even talk about in consciousness, which is interesting because young people, especially right now, I've talked to some young kids that are really struggling with their faith. And the one thing that actually is keeping them grasping onto faith is consciousness. Consciousness. Because it's the thing that you and I take for granted, but we're alive and we know we're alive. Right? The, the chimpanzee doesn't know she's alive. Like my dog. Uh, knows she wants lunch, but she's never having an existential crisis over breakfast wondering about the meaning of life. She's just wondering why in the world I am not petting her as much. Right. But what the, the idea of us right now trying to create that, and we have been unsuccessful. I believe we will continue to be unsuccessful because it's not, a, it's not neurons firing in your brain. It is something that neuros, especially neuroscientists, Um, Maybe we could find a couple links and I could drop it in our show notes. But neuroscientists especially are coming to the point where they they don't know what consciousness is. They just know they cannot measure it on on, uh, an MRI, Mm -hmm. that there's something there that exists beyond that. And when you then put even values into it, like uh, values are not science. Values come. That's one of uh, Jordan Peterson's claims. You know, he I don't know where he would exactly fall on a faith spectrum, but. Uh, values are not scientific like those are outside of the realm of that there's something beyond us that's martin luther king saying hey where what laws have we unless they come from a higher authority which again going back to an electric car would say if a car is driving towards a crowd of people and the car is programmed to drive it into a wall so that it saves the driver and uh kills the driver but saves the 20 people what is the right morality, right? The, the obvious choice is that it would be the one that drives it into the wall to save the 20 people. And then the next question, obviously, is, okay, would you drive that car? Yeah. Would you let that car drive you? And who gets to make that decision? You know, guy programming in Silicon Valley, you know, pounding a Dr. Pepper and eating fiery Cheetos gets to make decisions as to what's moral and immoral. Uh, that is the realm of faith and the realm of God. 
And when you look and you go back to Revelation 5, the thing that was devastating to John is we had it at one point in Eden. Uh, God walked with man. Man walked with God, with the, 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 the creatures, the animals. It was this perfect place. Was it heaven? Was it heaven? I think it's the, well, what's about to happen in Revelation 22. Heaven and earth when they come together. Mm. See, there's this image, this, uh, this vision that David has, and I wish that I would have thought of this ahead of time because I'd tell you where it is, but he has a vision. And in the vision, he sees the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth, um, the, which sort of evokes the image of the angels that keep us out of the garden. Right. Um, hmm. And by the way, that's some of the imagery we're going to see here in a little bit in Revelation is Jesus bridging the gap between heaven and earth. And so is it heaven or is heaven this whole other thing or is heaven a separate time domain that exists beside earth where he could walk in between the two effortlessly? Right. Could be. Yeah. Right. Uh, but what we see here is that because of the fall, Genesis 3 Mankind is now out. Wherever out is, where we are right now, this is out. And we cannot get there. Uh, there was no, and this is again, it's the funny, the story of Christopher Nolan, the entire earth is being destroyed and no one, they looked, no one was worthy. No one was smart enough to save mm -hmm. the planet. Mm -hmm. So there's even a little bit of Christology in that, like Christ imagery and the guy going into the future. Right. Uh, we do need to figure out whether Christopher Nolan is a Christian or what, because that's, that's a fascinating. Uh, yeah. Is he the guy that made the weird Superman movie? That's a different director, right? That made the weird Superman where he was looked like Jesus on a cross floating yeah, to I Earth. That was, I believe that was him too. Was it? That was yeah. super blasphemous and weird. But um, the idea of a, of a champion, David and Goliath. David was the champion sent out by Israel to save mankind. Mm -hmm. uh, the imagery of that. He was weeping because nobody could do it. And until they looked and they saw uh, Jesus, the lamb, and that, which is, by the way, what made him worthy to do it was not because he was the lion of the tribe of Judah, but because he was the lamb that was slain, which would take them all the way back to, the, to, to Israel and, and the Passover and that night, when as long as they put the blood of the perfect lamb on their door post. By the way, people in Egypt could have done this too. Anybody who put the blood of the lamb. He didn't look inside to see whether they were good enough. He only looked on the outside to see if the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost. And if they were, then their firstborn son was saved. And the imagery of Jesus was God's firstborn slain so that our firstborn. In every house that night, there was either a dead lamb or a dead son. Those were the only two choices. Yeah. And in our house, is there a dead lamb or is there a dead son a dead us mm -hmm. because when they saw that it was him uh verse seven he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne and verse eight and when he had taken it the four living creatures the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each one had a harp and they were uh, they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. That imagery is always so beautiful to me because our prayers are held before God and incense is sweet and beautiful. Your prayers, if nothing else, what is, are my prayers worth it? Of course they're worth it. There's, 
They're, they're beautiful to God. They bring a good scent before him. But then verse 9, then they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And that is why racism is so demonic, because it's the exact opposite of what God did through Christ. You have made them a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth and then I looked, verse 11, and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten times ten thousand. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy, worth it, worth ship. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Awesome. Hey, thanks for listening, you guys. And hopefully I'll see you this Sunday, uh, 830, uh, 10 or 1130 or online, conduitchurch.com. God bless you guys.